Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Trail mix, trail mix, trail mix. It is trail mix time. Welcome to Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks. Trail mix is the small miniature episode in between our larger episodes here at Gaze at the National Parks. Right. It gives us an opportunity to talk about a variety of different things. A lot of the times we're talking about things that are hiking related or national parks related, but sometimes depending on the mood striking, we talk about something else that's important at the time. Exactly. We've like voting about or Halloween. Voting and Halloween, right. but also car etiquette. Car etiquette. We've talked about Asheville, North Carolina, because right. we just recently visited there, and we love that place. Mm-hmm. And today we are talking all about hiking terminology and how we rate strenuous hikes. Right. Because we have found that People throw around this word all the time, all over the place, and there's nothing consistent about its use. Yes, that's very, very true. So today we're going to dive into all of that. Let's go over some hiking terminology that we use all the time that some of our listeners have written in and gone like, oh, um, I don't know what that is. Can you tell us what that means? So we're going to do that right now. We use um, the terminology not only through the podcast, but on our Instagram. Um, some of our posts on Instagram are, are titled things like trailheads or switchbacks. And, and those are things that we're going to go through right now. Exactly. Yeah. So let's start with switchback. Mike, what is a switchback? A switchback, if you want to imagine this, it's like a zigzag if you were to look at it from above. But it's a zigzagging path that is going upward. Um, so you're basically heading in one direction and then you hit the end of the path there and you have to bank backwards um, to literally switch back to then continue your upward trek. And that is something that was created to like go up the side of a cliff face or go up the side of a mountain. Right. So you're so you're ascending. Yeah. The There's an time. ascent that is, you know, less treacherous than just climbing or somehow going straight up. So, Dusty, tell me what a trailhead is. A trailhead is literally just the beginning of a trail. Trailheads are usually at either, you know, like ground level or canyon level, wherever you're starting, and it is the start of a trail. Right, and they can kind of be in all sorts of places. Sometimes they're at the side of a road. Sometimes there is a parking lot that is where the trailhead, you know, meets. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you'll actually 
be hiking on a particular trail and then end up coming to a trailhead of another trail. Exactly. So it all depends um, so where those So it's literally just start. like the starting line of a trail. Right, the starting line. Also, what is a blaze? So a blaze, um, so there's a bunch of different ways to mark trails when you're hiking. A blaze is often either a painted stripe on a tree or some sort of natural feature. It could also be a flag. Oftentimes those flags can be like metallic, um, like a, that are in metallic in color. And it's a way depending on the particular park, whether it's a national park, a state park, or something in between, it's a way that the trail is marked if Karens aren't used. So what's a Karen? A Karen. So a Karen, which is spelled C-A-I-R-N, is a small pile of stones. If you see a Karen, then that means you are still on this trail. It is a trail marker to let you know that you are still headed in the right direction. And they actually say in national parks, like there are some parks like Acadia that still use Karens to mark trails and let you know like which, you know, if you're headed in the right direction. Right, Arches was another park where Arches we experienced the same Karens thing. too. And they say, don't just go and make your own Karens because Karens are like actually used to like and they serve a purpose people. they serve a purpose like so a major major purpose that is and the Karen. Karens in Acadia were very different from the ones in Arches like yeah they, so there was there's a different way to kind of go about doing it but they are very similar end result um, yes. it's usually a pile of stone to kind of mark your path exactly right now speaking of paths we there are usually two kinds of paths there's a loop trail mm -hmm. and there's a there and back path tell us about that mike so a loop trail a lot of the times would be particular mileage where you would start at a particular point and you'd end up back at that point but you would not be necessarily taking the same trail back so it's literally if you think about a loop or like a rubber band it's kind of like that it's like so a circle peekaboo trail in bryce canyon that's like one of our best examples of a loop and it's nice because you're seeing so much of the park and it's not necessarily a there and back and a there and back is literally exactly what it sounds like and like yosemite falls yep. is a there and back. so you're hiking up to a particular point um whether it be a scenic overlook or some sort of vista or some sort of landmark and then literally you're zipping around now sometimes there and backs can also link up with other trails so dusty what's a junction a junction is literally the intersection of two trails right just like you would like two roads that intersect is called a junction right or loop trails can also have junctions to of them course. too um, and we experienced a lot of junctions when we were in Acadia. We, oh, um, Acadia is just like junctions. Right. Central. And we'll talk more about that when we talk about Acadia on the podcast. But Acadia is kind of like a build your own adventure park, which is oh, really yeah. cool. It's um, the mastermind build yeah. your own adventure. Tra so trail. It, there are so many different junctions that you can kind of take as you're hiking. But even when we were just in the Smokies, there were plenty of junctions that we came across as we were hiking. Now, sometimes when you're hiking, you have to do some scrambling. What's scrambling, Mike? There's hiking and then there's scrambling. And then there, you know, you would kind of go up to a little bit more of bouldering and then rock climbing is kind of, I would say, what our progression All words is. We might need to. Right, to dive in. To dive in. Um, so scrambling would be where you're not necessarily hiking over flat surfaces, where you might be going in between rocks, where you actually have to maybe use your hands too to kind of just steady yourself or to kind of balance yourself over some things. It's not a very direct route most of the time. There, There's some sort of obstacle in your way, is what I would say, for a scramble. Right. It's not like eggs. No. No. 
dad jokes. What's the NPS, Dusty? So the NPS, that is an acronym that stands for the National Park Service. The National Park Service is an agency of the federal government. It is underneath the U.S. Department of Interior, and they oversee all of the national parks. It was created in 1916 after Yellowstone National Park and Yosemite National Park had already been established. Yosemite had previously been a state park, and then they didn't have anybody to oversee these Mm -hmm. two parks. So they created the National Park Service. And so now they oversee all of the national parks. And they also run the national forests? No, they do not. The U.S. Department of Agriculture oversees all of the national forests. A Department of Forestry, I guess? I mean, the the Department of Forestry. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's good to know. So, yeah. And what is the difference between a national forest and a national park? Um, we talked about this a little bit. So a uh, national forest is something that is constantly changing as far as you can take wood from it. There are there are things that you can remove from a national forest, whereas a national park is kind of like a f- entity that's frozen in time yeah. where nothing can be removed. Um, it's kind of like sacred ground in a way it's also has to have some specific qualities in order to be considered a national park one is that it needs to be surrounded by natural beauty so it has to in some way be considered naturally beautiful right it has to have a border right of some sort it has to have a natural border around it to keep it safe which is why you often see national forests near national parks then it has to have some sort of thriving ecosystem Mm -hmm. and it also has to be accessible for tourism gotcha that's another major thing about that now a national forest does not mean that you or i could just like go in there and chop stuff down right no 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 pretty sure because there are obviously rules about that right a national forest is actually used as ground to literally create wood right. as a resource. I think it's also a concerted effort by the Forestry Service to, you know, utilize that space in the best way possible, but exactly. so it's being preserved for future generations. And in a national park, like you will see like if a tree falls in a national park, is anyone there to hear it? No, I'm kidding. Like <laughs> if a tree falls in a national park, they then will often just leave the tree right there. Now, if it falls down over like a path where people or would trail, be walking, yeah, yeah. then they will either try to move move it to a different place or in the event of like a sequoia tree falling which right. happens all the time in sequoia there were a number of trees down in sequoia when we were there right i don't know if it happens all the time or if it's like more of a you know big event but yeah sure there were a number of trees that had fallen over trails mm-hmm. and they had literally cut like, like a tunnel walkway tunnels yeah. through them so that yeah. you could continue walking yeah. yeah so that they leave them exactly where they are right preserved in time until they decay I remember when we were in Sequoia that they were saying there had been a bunch of wildfires previously and mm-hmm. we were concerned about that. And they were like, actually, wildfires are a part, part of the, of yeah, the life natural cycle. life cycle of a forest. So we want to allow that to a certain degree here and then also help to control it. Right. Things that I learned and did not know right. prior to going to that right. national park. So then what's the difference between a state park and a national forest and a national park or just a national park? So a national park is operated by the federal government and then a state park is operated by a state government. Okay. State parks are like they work in the same way. It's a designated space that the state has decided that they want to keep sacred. So the state 
runs it with the state park service. And obviously some state parks can become national parks a la sure. Yosemite. Oh, and so, so many of them. Yeah. And then what is a national monument? So a national monument can be a bunch of different things, but oftentimes a national monument is something that is, has major historical significance. Um, it could be the birthplace of someone. Um, it could be like a very important building. Like I'm pretty sure Independence Hall is a national monument. It could be like one sort of really stunning natural feature. Sure. Like yep. the Grand Staircase. Right. Yep. In Utah. Yep. But it's something that is overseen by the National Park Service, but it's not like large enough to be a national park. Right. But it is an entity of the national park right. system. Yes. Also like Stonewall Inn in, right, in, um, New York. in New York, down in the West Village, is considered a national monument. Thank you, Barack Obama. There we go. So now that we have our hiking lexicon under our belts, let's talk about what it means to be a strenuous hike. And I think something that we can kind of relate that to for the both of us is rock climbing, indoor rock climbing. Um, Because we used to do a lot of that um, and we haven't been doing so much of that in the last few years. I think that's because we've been doing so much outdoor hiking. Right. And I think this actually did fill that void of what was there in our life. Totally. That used to that void, that emptiness, that dark (laughs) emptiness, folks. Yes. So the thing that's comparable between rock climbing and hiking is the way that things are graded. Now, in indoor climbing or outdoor climbing, climbs are are graded with a specific way. Um, It's the Yosemite system is what I believe is what it's called. And it's graded on a level of fives, like a a five four is a very easy climb, whereas a five twelve would be a very, very difficult climb. Now, when we were climbing, we were climbing probably around like five nines, five, five tens. Um, You were climbing five nines, five tens. I was... I was climbing five sevens or five eights. Okay. I occasionally did a five nine. And we had only, the two of us, gone to one climbing gym, but I had been to several. And the thing that I always found to be very interesting is that I could be climbing really well, like a five eight or nine or even a five ten at one gym and doing extremely well on it. And then I would go to another gym and the way that the problem was set to climb that top top rope climb was much more difficult. Um, Wait, you called it a problem. What do you mean by that? Well, when you're thinking about rock climbing, most of the time problems are referred to in senses of bouldering. But I I think we can kind of still refer when you're climbing top rope, which is where there's literally a rope at the top and someone is belaying you or, you know, carrying you your weight or kind of supporting you if you need that support via the rope. The problem would be basically you are not only climbing the wall physically, you're climbing the wall mentally. Right. Right. And... If you're looking at a rock climbing wall and you're looking at all of the, you know, jut outs that you holds. can, the holds that you can grab onto, a lot of them have different colors like labeled on them. And, the and sometimes p- the holds themselves are colorized sure. for that particular route. But the idea is that you start at the bottom and then you go to the top using only certain holds to get there. That is what they consider a problem. Right. So you are using your body and mind to solve the problem to right. get from the bottom to the top. That's what you mean when you say problem. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, you're there's someone that has the rope on the ground level. So if you fall off the wall, they have your weight is what I meant by what I said earlier. So they are belaying you not to get too technical on rock climbing because we're not really talking about that. But it is our kind of inroads into talking about 
difficulty levels. Yes. So we used to do this all the time. Right. And then... And then we'd go to TGI Fridays and get... We'd be bad girls. We would be <laughs> bad girls and get like fried green beans right. at TGI Fridays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that transitioned into outdoor hiking. Right. So that brings us to strenuous hikes. Right. So Mike, you mentioned that a 5-8 problem at one indoor gym could feel different than a 5A problem at another indoor gym. Right. So I feel this way about the word strenuous uh, across the national park system. There is no sort of like universal way to rate or grade a hike for the amount of anguish it might cause one when they do it. Right. And let's just talk very quickly about other hiking like grading what, like So what are the other terms that so we would say? they would say easy, right. moderate, right. difficult, strenu- difficult think, and then strenuous. And then strenuous. Right. But like that means something different at every single part. Right. Which I understand that. Like if you're going to, say, Arches in Utah, like Arches is on top of a flat mesa. Right. So a lot of their hikes are easy hikes well a lot of them you know without getting into too too much specifics are like park your car and get and, out and, and like go to watch to an arch, walk to that and arch and come, come back. back now obviously there's backcountry hiking which we haven't really touched on either in our lives or on the podcast right um but that's a whole nother that's ball a of whole wax other ball of wax so but, we're not going to go there but when it comes to the word strenuous i think often national parks even when like a hike is like even at all tiring I feel like they hop to use the word strenuous because there are some hikes we have done that have been truly like anguish worthy, stress strenuous. And then there have been others that are labeled strenuous that are like, it was a little uphill, but like it really wasn't anything. I guess like, you know, I guess we're here on a sliding scale all the time. Well, I think, you know, to jump in, I really do think the way that, the parks are measuring these hikes. Obviously it's not against other hikes in other parks because most of them are very far away. So it's really, they're just measuring them against the other hikes that are in the park. So that really does create an interesting issue when it's like, Oh, we're on a trip that we hit five parks in and it's like, Oh, so, you know, this hike in Yosemite is labeled as strenuous because Yosemite has Canyon walls and you're, Doing things, you're climbing and way fiercely high, steep switchbacks. and scrambling, and all the things. But then, like you might be in a place like Channel Islands, and that hike might be labeled as strenuous, and you're literally walking over. You are going uphill for a lot of it, but it's this beautiful, lush, rolling green landscape. And exactly, it's nothing that was like no comparable for us in yeah. that sort of way of that strenuous. actually happened to us the first time we really noticed that was on the first Utah trip. Right. We had just finished at Zion. We had gone to Bryce and then we were in Arches Arches, and we were looking at this one hike that's labeled strenuous and we wanted to do it. And I literally was like, well, what kind of strenuous is it? Is it like Angel's Landing strenuous? Right. Or is it more like Emerald Falls strenuous? Right. Which Emerald Falls is another hike in Zion, which I believe part of that is labeled strenuous, but not all of it. It's more moderate. So we have decided that we're going to come up with our own scale to like measure strenuous. Right. And we're calling it 
the Karen Stone scale. The Karen Stone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Miss Karen, Karen Stone. Stone. Now, I feel like Karen Stone, um, we're g- let's bring her to life. We will. And then we're going to... Um, and then we'll talk about our scale. We're going to talk We've about We've actually mentioned Karen Stone before on our Instagram account. We have mentioned Karen Stone. When we were Karen in Stone. Acadia. Here is why I love the drag name Karen Stone. Because... There are, generally speaking, three categories of drag name. Great. You have, like, what is st- a straight-up pun. Like, for instance, like, Brianna Cracker mm-hmm. is uh, is the former name of the drag queen Miss Cracker. But that sounds like Brie cheese on a cracker. Right. Then you yeah. have sort of, like, um, a riff on an existing name, like Susan Saran Rap right. is a riff on the name Susan Sarandon. Yep. Or then you have, say, just, like, a woman's name. Right. Like, it's not a pun. It's not a reference to anything. Right. Like, the drag queen Alyssa Edwards. Right. Is just, that's her name. So, I love Karen Stone because it is an intersection between all three of those things. Mm-hmm. This is spelled C-A-I-R-N. And it sounds like a woman's name. It sounds like a reference to Sharon Stone. Mm-hmm. And it's a pun because of the way it's spelled. Right. So that's why I'm totally obsessed. Who is Karen Stone and what does she look like? So she's someone that wears like all the athletic wear. Like that is her entire wardrobe. So Karen's are this sort of ancient way to like um, mark paths. Mm -hmm. So I feel like she's like not buying like hiking gear or outdoor wear that is like ridiculously expensive. No, Like Karen Stone knows where to get like effective outdoor gear at like, like a cheap place. Sure. So that she can uh, look great, but still afford it. Right. Yeah. She's a modern day hiking mama. She is. She does it. She does it well. She does it all. She does it all. I feel like Mary, we should have like the Mary Tyler Moore theme music playing and she's throwing her hat up into the right, air. Right, but it's like a collapsible like right. sun hat yep. that you can get at an outdoor You're store. gonna make it after all. Dusty said I can't sing in every episode and I'm gonna Prove him wrong. <laughs> that is, I did not say that. You did. I did not. What song does Karen Stone lip sync mm, to? What does she sing to? Oh my God, I have it. I'm so proud of it right now. Um, her like big, like 11 o'clock lip sync number mm-hmm. is The Climb by Miley Cyrus. Oh. <laughs> you are tickled. I'm so tickled because it's so perfect. So now that we've brought Karen Stone to life, let's talk about the Karen Stone scale. The Karen Stone scale this of is difficulty. This Karen Stone scale of difficulty. Right. And that is, um, this is the scale at which we are going to rate the like anguish, <laughs> like the pain. The tears. The tears. All of the things that one feels on the climb up to a certain, right. you know, whatever trail we might be on. So we're going to do this with the previous hikes that we have talked about on the podcast. Right. And from going forward, we'll be doing this as on we every kind episode. of finish our episodes. Yeah. Right. So let's talk first. Okay. So the Karen Stone scale is out of 10. Okay. Okay, great. So Yosemite Falls. 10. 10. 10. Absolutely 10 out of 10. That's right. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like the only way I will do Yosemite Falls again is if like, you're paying my bills, honey. Like I, 
I don't know that I want to like out of my own health like right. go up to the top of the I think again. if like we became like trail runners all of a sudden and like right. you know our lives just became hiking I think we would probably like live for that adrenaline like Maybe. The, all the barefooted people we I saw running I will say up. this I wouldn't be opposed to doing it again if I could do some of the connecting hikes right. up at the top I think that would be interesting but I would want to go up four mile and not Yosemite Falls I don't know I, I think I remember four, four mile. mile was like I just forget like either going up or going down was a difficult Something. Something. But it is something I haven't things. experienced, right. so I would prefer that. Right. Um, Vernal and Nevada Falls. Mm, I'm going to say that that was probably more of a six. That's... I was going to say like seven and a half for okay. me, only because like going down was real treachery on the stone steps. Right, right. Oh, because yeah. The stone steps were, were, um, they weren't like the hardest to get up. I mean, it's still like natural stairs. Right. So it's like you're climbing 600 steps. But going down with all of the people and the and fact the that they were wet, yeah. like that was really misty hard. Misty stairs. And then the other thing was after you've passed Vernal Falls and you're headed up to Nevada Falls, there was a, a series of switchbacks going up and those were a little difficult and mm-hmm. a little steep, but not too bad altogether. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Peekaboo Trail at Bryce Canyon. Are we including the hike up to Bryce Point? Too yeah, let's that? do the whole thing. Because I really honestly thought the Peekaboo Trail itself was probably somewhere around a five. Like, uh, that's what I was thinking. Was but I five. think once you add on Bryce Canyon, because that was, we we did. You co- mean the Bryce the Point, Bryce Point yeah. Trail. The Bryce Point Trail. I think that added to it. So I would probably bump it up to a seven with everything else I think included. So. I also think like if you do all of what we did in a right. day, like it honestly at the end, when we were there at the end, like the angles of the switchbacks yeah. were not Going up the Queen's very Garden. steep. Yeah. Like, it was, I mean, Queen's Garden is an easy trail, but right. we were just so tired right. that we were like, even this is... Agony. A total agony. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would give it a seven. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Camera. Oh. At the Great Smoky Mountain National I, You Park. know what? I really enjoyed Mount Camera. And I didn't feel like I thought the the switchbacks and the ascent, even though it was three thousand feet that we were going yeah. up, was really gradual. So the thing gradual. that was like annoying was more of the fact that it was rainy, which wasn't the leaves, which wasn't the end of the world. See where you like, and what when we say covered in leaves, like there are rocks underneath those leaves, right. and you cannot treachery. see like when you were just like jabbing a rock into your foot. I'm going to say it's a five. I, I, I really, even despite the treachery of the leaves, I think if we were there at a different time of the year, I don't think that would have been like, if we were there in the summer, I really don't think that that would have been. I agree. It's an a issue. five from me too. Yeah. And then um, the Smoke Mountain Loop Trail. The Smoke Mountain Loop Trail, what, a two? two. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it's a flat hike. Right. Like, it was beautiful. Was, there was, like, the first part of the hike was a little... Yeah, um, a little wonky. A, like, a little up and down, but yep. it is, like, super flat and super low-key and lovely. Yeah, yeah. And a great place to stroll. Yes. And a great... I would totally recommend the Smoke Mountain Loop if you are, like... I don't like inclines. Right. I'm not like someone who like wants to, you know, go out for seven hours right. and hike, but I do want to like walk in nature. Like that's what the smoke mountain is. Yeah, does. it was great. Hey, Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, 
it is usually a moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE24 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon Travel Guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. It's time to play Memoir Chapters. This is a game that we play where you have to come up with the chapter title in your memoir for a specific moment in your life. Yeah, some sort of specific event that may have happened to you. I'm going to give Mike an event that I know happened to him, and then he's going to give me an event. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So, Mike, what is the chapter title for that time after you graduated college? Oh, Oh, that's really good. Nobody likes you when you're 23. As a nod to Blink-182. I feel like that's really appropriate because post-college life is... I had a really interesting experience post-college. I still stayed in Philadelphia where I went to school and I stayed there for another four years and I really enjoyed it. But I also felt like I didn't know what I was doing. Like I had a job, obviously, but I was just like, wasn't really like in a spot where... I felt like I was being propelled forward, but also was having a blast at the same time. So I feel like I was kind of somewhere in like a very like muddled middle space for my life and my soul. I would, uh, <laughs> no one could pay me enough money to go back to 23. No, no, ever. no. Um, what, a, I mean, and 22, I thought 22 was bad. And right. then 23 was just, right. oh, no. Right. It wasn't until I was 25 that I looked back and I was like, Oh, that was the worst. Right. That was the worst. Right. And I think it's also just because we're literally old people and young bodies. <laughs> it's like the movie Skeleton Key. True. We've just taken a young body and we hate everything. We hate everything. We, we hate have everything. a fun story to share when we um talk about Airbnbs right. and skeleton yeah. keys in Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, what is my memoir chapter? Well, because I am a middle school teacher, I would like your memoir chapter title on your middle school years. Oh my God, my middle school years. Okay, great. Um, Okay, I have it. I would call it overweight and still eating pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have, I mean, my entire life, I have like, um, I was athletic and then I would go through periods where I wasn't athletic and then like I would gain weight. And like, I mean, I was 
my weight was all over the place when mm-hmm. I was little. I mean, it's still sort of like that as an adult. Not I feel anymore. Like, I mean, Miss no, not Keto anymore. <laughs> coming to the stage. Um, oh my God, Miss Keto, Mosquito. <gasps> oh Welcome my. to the stage, Miss Keto. <laughs> that was brilliant. Oh my God, write that down. Beautiful. Um, yeah, no, middle school was definitely that time of my life where I was like, like I was still playing some sports, mm-hmm. but I was like transitioning out of playing sports and then trying out theater and trying out all these other things and so you were doing it all i was doing it all i had a very busy schedule as a middle schooler but just like right now literally <laughs> um yeah <laughs> i do feel like that would be appropriate um, okay i love that overweight and still eating i pizza. love that and i say that because pizza is my absolute favorite food mm-hmm. and i have no apologies for ever eating it <laughs> here is my thing i do firmly believe this that when you ask somebody what their favorite food is if their answer is not either like pizza burgers cookies or chips then they're lying to you right because those are the most delicious they foods. are so yeah and it's it's just as like you know it's like a drug unfortunately oh, that's yeah. how they, it is they are. totally mm-hmm. like that but like yeah. a burger drug but yeah, so yeah, it was all about, you know, finding the moderation and like finding where pizza right. like belongs in my life. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Your pizza, your body. Right. That could also be Your pizza, title. your body. That another could be title. Another, right. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would be. That's like a Liz Lemon title. A Liz, it for is. Her memoir. For her memoir. Your pizza, your body. Right. Your napping. Right. Mm-hmm. This has been Trail Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. If you have a question or a hiking suggestion or want to talk to us, contact us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram at gazeatthenationalparks and on Twitter at gazeattheparks. That's gaze, G-A-Z-E. And we are here to remind you to hike early and hike often. And that adventure is always out there.